Level up your LA Kings experience with the new Vivid Seats Elite Seats. All the on-ice Kings action with even more exclusive access. Enjoy great seats to the game along with premier dining inside the Lexus Club with all-you-can-eat food and non-alcoholic beverages. Plus, get a free Team LA Kings item and parking with your purchase. Score your Vivid Seats Elite Seats tickets today and earn rewards on each purchase from the only ticket company that rewards you for buying. Experience it live with Vivid Seats, the official partner of the LA Kings. You're listening to an L.A. Kings podcast. For more episodes of this and every other Kings program, visit lakings.com slash podcast. Play it up ahead out of the box. Clark a breakaway to win it. Clark in on goal. Deeks scores! His first NHL goal wins it in overtime. Brand You're listening to All the Kings Men the official podcast of the L.A. Kings. And off the draw, Byfield quickly to center ice. With speed, Byfield around one man in on goal. Scores! What a goal! Quinton Byfield! Now, here's your host, Jesse Cohen. Welcome back, Kings fans. I am Jesse Cohen. This is All the Kings Men. I know some of you skipped through the intro, but I hope you got a chance to hear the Clark and Byfield goals again because I really enjoyed listening to them again when I edited that together. Uh, I've watched both goals Many, many times. What a fun week for Kings fans. Jared Schaffron was on the Kings' most recent road trip. He joins me today to talk about what he saw from the Kings on the road and what he's seen from the Ontario Reign and what you guys should know about the Ontario Reign. Hope you enjoy it. Joining me now in our shared office, not the studio, Jared Schaffron. How are you doing today, Jared? This is a studio now. That's true. Yeah, it is. That's Every room in this building is a studio now. So you went on the road with the Kings uh, for three Three of the last four road games. That's right. You lucky I you. Missed, you skipped the Buffalo I was sitting game. in this very studio yeah, or office. That's where, right. I tell, where yeah, we yeah, watched yeah. the Buffalo yeah. game, and I was like, "Oh boy, I'm yeah. joining this trip." And then it got there, and it was great. As I said to Jack Jablonski, you guys got to leave during the Buffalo game. I had to sit here uh, by myself. Yeah, and I had enough. Out. Yeah, <laughs> no. Um, so you know how they? I mean, obviously we know what they looked like on TV, but how they look in person. I thought that they did what they needed to do, right? I mean, none of those games were blowouts. They weren't games where they dominated play. I actually think when you look back, the game that I was most impressed with was the Boston game mm-hmm. um, for a number of different reasons. Number one, the opponent, right? You, you know, Pittsburgh's a team out of the playoff race. New Jersey's a team that's, you know, in the playoff race but kind of out of it. Like, they're not, struggles they're not in yeah. the picture right now if the season ended today, whereas Boston's a team that was, you know, competing for the top of the Eastern Conference as it is Florida's past them. But they're one of the best teams, one of the contenders in the Eastern Conference. And I thought the Kings outplayed them. When you look at the 60-minute picture, the Kings were, were no doubt the better team. They were on the wrong end of a few tough plays, and that's why they had to come back. But not only were they the better team in the first period, they fell behind, came back, and then one in an unbelievable overtime win that I think you know propels them, gives them some more momentum. So I think that was the game that most impressed me. But also what's what's really impressive is anytime you can win on the road in close games, picking up points, that's great. The Kings, well, they've done that all season. So not necessarily something that's um, been a challenge for the team. The challenge has been more playing at home. But when you look at the road trip as a whole, obviously six out of eight points is great. When you include that Buffalo game, and then those last three, I think, really set the tone for for this homestand they're on right now. I heard your voice in the post game media availabilities and the pre games in the mornings. Did it feel to you around the guys as much as you could be that their confidence grew over the course of the trip, or did it feel like the Buffalo game happened and then they sort of buckled down and were like, "All right, never again"? 
I think a bit of both. Yeah. I think, you know, that happens and you have to buckle down and say never again. Otherwise, you're not a team that's contending, yeah. right? Like this is a team that their sights and Rob Blake has said it multiple times now. They should be winning games. They should be competing. They should be contending. So when you lose like that to, again, another team that's out of the playoff picture in Buffalo, even if it wasn't a team that was out of the playoff picture, if you lose like that to anybody, you got to come back and have a big response. And I don't know that it was like an emphatic, you know, against New Jersey. It wasn't, this is a response. It was just consistent play for 60 minutes, all four lines rolling, handing it off to the next, you know, like guys not going out there without a plan, just kind of going through the motions. It was a concerted effort. I think, you know, one of the things I spoke with Jim Hiller about a few different times is just having his plan and then the players executing that plan. And I think it is a different plan than what Todd McClellan had. So there's a few different things that have changed. There's a few different things that are that are going on with these guys that they're being told, hey, we'd like to see you do this. We'd like to see you do that. We'd like to see more of this. And it's different than what Todd McClellan was doing. So there's a little bit of adaptation process for for the players learning okay what's now expected of me what are some of the things that we're changing and it seems like when Jim Hiller makes those tweaks and changes whether it's to the lineup with the lines or just the way the style of play that they want to play it seems like the players are taking that in stride and learning it and then implementing it into their game pretty quickly so that was kind of the theme that I saw Uh, it wasn't okay pedal to the metal we're going to just absolutely grind this team down it, it, yes, there was some of that, but it was more of, okay, that was unacceptable. We need to be better. Here's some of the things that our coaching staff is trying to implement. Let's try to do them. One of the things that really uh, reassured me as a fan over the three games following the Buffalo game is exactly what you're saying. They weren't going out and trying to hit a home run at every at-bat. They weren't trying to score five goals every shift. They All three games were one-goal games. Boston, they had to come back multiple times at one point from a two-goal deficit. It wasn't until the Columbus game last night, we're recording this Wednesday morning, it wasn't until that game, and even then it took them 10 minutes, um, but it wasn't even until then until they said, okay, this is a team that we should be able to beat. Let's go out and try some Quentin Byfield slices through the entire (laughs) defensive zone type moves. Yeah, and and even if you look at, obviously the goal was disallowed, but that Johnny Gaudreau goal... Had that counted, which, again, it was the right call that it didn't count, but had that actually counted, you would have then been in a 1-0 hole, and then you're chasing the game a little bit. I actually think that goal was the turning point in that game, and I had said on social media, I don't know if it'll come back, but if even if it doesn't, the Kings need to start playing the game in the other half of the ice. And they did. Yeah. You're right. I think after that, it was a clear dividing Mm -hmm. line. And not that they were playing particularly poorly before, but just you look at the chances that Columbus had in the earlier part of the game. And then after that, I don't think in the first period, there was any other chances for Columbus. No, and and to your point, they weren't playing particularly poorly, but they weren't playing particularly well either. Um, And then to end that period with that Quentin Byfield goal and, and secure a win. So let's talk about the Ontario Reign a little bit. You cover the Ontario Reign. Um, how have the Ontario Reign been doing? I see the results, and it looks like a tough month. Yeah, definitely a tough month. Uh, I think it's been up and down all season. There's been some runs of good play. There's been some runs of play that you'd expect better. I think the good thing for the Reign is seven teams make the playoffs in the Pacific Division. So they're in seventh as the time oh, we wow. record. They were this. in second the last time I checked in. Ex- and that's exactly what I was about to say is that they're two points away from fifth. They're – a few more points away from second. Like, 
I think earlier in this month, they were challenging for first place in the division. And in fact, I've been saying this the last couple of months, but the Coachella Valley Firebirds are the team that's in first place right now. They ended December 31st. They ended the 2023 calendar year in sixth place. Mm. And by the end of January, they were the number one team in the division. So that is how close the Pacific is. Right. That's good for the rain. They can go on a roll and be right back where they, for the most part of the season, they were hanging around third, fourth place in the division. But they've had a tough month. And, well, why have they had a tough month? Well, you know, I think there's a various number of reasons. Sure. I could probably go off, you know, for a while. But when you're an AHL team, you have young players. They struggle to be consistent. This team has a lot of guys who have never played as, as many games as they're playing before. And, you know, they're being counted on in, in pretty high-level situations, high roles. You look at just center depth. How, how often do we talk about center depth for the LA Kings? How they have one of the most depth center situations. Now Blake Lazat's injured, but when he's healthy, I mean, down the middle, the Kings are arguably one of the best teams in the NHL. Well, the rain started the season kind of the, in that spot. You had TJ Tynan. You had uh, Alex Turcott. You had Mikhail Maltsev. You had Akil Thomas. That was like, whoa, Akil Thomas might have to play on the fourth line. Well, now Alex Turcott has been a great member of the LA Kings over the last couple of weeks. He's done a great job. He's earning a spot at the NHL level. He looks like he's ready to, to be in the NHL full time. Maybe, you know, you never know what happens when, when Lazat comes back. Maybe the rain see him. But without Turcott, that's a massive loss. He was playing in all situations and even not even offensively, but just in everywhere on the ice, just controlling the play. So that's a big loss. Mikhail Maltsev elects to go back to Russia. Uh, he is still under contract with the Kings. The Kings loaned him to Russia so they can always bring him back. But losing him, that's a big hole in your center depth as well. So now you've got TJ Tynan and, and Akil Thomas. Two solid top six guys, and we could talk about how good Akil Thomas has been and where the rain would be without Akil Thomas would be probably out of the playoff picture. But with with those guys being there and then losing Turcotte and Maltsev, now you have Samuel Helanius as your third-line center and Francesco Pinelli as your fourth-line center. Those are two guys that are being counted on to do a lot. Some nights they're good, some <laughs> nights they're not. And that's okay. You're not expecting that level of consistency from them just yet. But on nights that Francesco Pinelli is good and adds to the lineup, those are usually wins for the ring. On nights that he's more invisible and hasn't done as much, well, those are nights that the team's struggling for offense. They're struggling to get possession. They might be on their heels. And you know what? They find themselves a little behind the eight ball. On defense, there's been some nights where Joe Hicketts just came back. He's a huge boost to the lineup. Steven Santini's been in and out. Kevin Connaughton's been in and out. When those guys are in, man, the defense looks amazing. With Jacob Moverari, when he's in the lineup – He's excellent, but some nights they're out, and then the rain struggle on those nights. So it's kind of just you don't always have a consistent group. On nights that everybody's in, they've been good. On nights that they've been missing players, they haven't been so good. The uh, the rhythm section, as I like to call it, the defense and the goaltending, the rain are also without Brant Clark and David Riddick. Um, you're not going to get David Riddick back. Hopefully not. Yeah. <laughs> well, yeah. Um, yeah, I guess I shouldn't say that. The trade deadline, who knows what could happen. Um, but at least Phoenix Copley's not coming back. Uh, so David Riddick isn't going to lose his spot to uh, Phoenix Copley. When it comes to Brant Clark, the Kings are in a spot now where they have Jordan Spence and Brant Clark, both young right shot. Everybody knows that. I don't have to go over the thing. Um, the rain might, well, will get somebody back. I mean, you don't know. I, I don't know really how it's going to work. At well, this at point. least for for last night. When people are listening to this. Yeah, no, I mean, yeah, Jordan Spence is kind of in a situation where I think the Kings want to keep him 
uh, ready to go, mm-hmm. uh, just like they did with David Reddick, right? Like David Reddick has talked multiple times about how important it was for him to be ready and stay ready. Like he's been a guy who's been a backup in the NHL most of his career. He's never really had the starting job. And so he's always kind of never been in rhythm. And what the rain did for David Riddick is play him every night pretty much, unless it's the back end of a back-to-back, he was in there. And when he got called up, he was ready. He felt like he was in rhythm, ready to go. For Jordan Spence, for most of the season, he's been third pair, right side of the defense. So he was he's played, I think, 44 games for the Kings this year. He's been ready to go. Well, Brant Clark has come in. He's been great. Uh, you know, Andreas England is holding down the left side of that pairing. There's not really room for Jordan Spence, so what do you do? You got to get him, you got to keep him ready. He's got to play games. You can't just have him sitting out. He sat out for all three of the games I think that yeah. that I watched on the road, and then he sat out again uh, in the loss on on Tuesday night or Monday night, Tuesday night, or in the win on Tuesday night. Yes, wow, win, yeah, yeah. Uh, but but yeah, so you know that's four <clears throat> games in a row that Spence yeah. has missed. So you can't just have him sitting around. He's a young player. He's got to play. Great news for the Ontario Reign that they get him, but uh, you know what? I think he has shown that he's ready for the NHL. It's just no spot in the lineup for him at the moment. Yeah, it's a it's a wonderful problem organizationally. It's a bummer of a problem individually. Yeah, but at the same time, not really. I mean, he's played 44 games in the NHL, which is the most he's ever played in a, in a single season already at the NHL level. And look, this is this is what the Kings did when they moved the Ontario Reign to El Segundo. They have the opportunity to just throw guys all over the place, bring them up, bring them down. They're up, they're down. It's a great flexibility thing. And one of the things that I have said for the entire season, you have to have depth to win a championship. There are going to be injuries. Guys are going to go down. You can't just look at the lineup on opening night and be like, here's our lineup. That's how it's going to be the whole season. It's never going to work that way. There's constant injuries. There are constant different things that happen during the course of the season. And the Kings have depth at the right side of their defense. And they traded two of their guys away in the offseason in, in Sean Dersey and, and Sean Walker. So And Helge Grons. Well, Helge Grons never played in the NHL. No, but, he's, about NHL. but he's in the organization. He was in the, the organizational depth. depth yeah. And you you're move you move two guys out and you still have a surplus. I mean, we could go back even yeah. further to the trade for Fiala and you yeah. had another guy too. He's he's doing pretty well. But <laughs> if you look at that, you can't just have your top three and then say, all right, these are our guys, and then don't worry about any depth because if someone gets hurt, then you're then you're in trouble. So, like, this is the same thing with – and I it's, keep going back to the goaltending. Phoenix Copley hurt, out for the season. No problem. You got David Riddick. And so, for, for me, with Jordan Spence as a guy who can go up and down without waivers, yes, it's unfortunate at this moment for him that he's not in the NHL, but – it's not like he's doomed to the AHL for a long period of time. He'll get back up there. No, but He'll get talk, a chance. But you talk about the opening night lineup and your top three. And, and my when I say it's a bummer of a situation for him individually, it's, you know, for, it, for weeks it was Brant Clark who was getting the short end because he was called up from Ontario and not playing. I think the issue is just at the moment, if you ask any member of the Kings coaching staff or front office staff, who is the Kings number three right side defenseman? I'm not sure there's an answer right now. The answer right now is Brant Clark. Well, for the last four <laughs> games, and I think he's got four points in four games or something. He's, you can't take him out. That's why Jordan Spence is down with the Ontario Reign. Correct. But for 44 games or whatever it was, Jordan. I mean, I think Jordan Spence has 16 points on the season. Like, he's not – it's not a point per game, but he's doing the job. I want to talk about Eric Portillo, though, because he's a guy that I hear so much – I don't know what the word I'm looking for is – hope and anticipation from – 
corners of this of the fan base about him. I've spoken to him a couple times. He seems like a great kid. Every time I look at the numbers, it seems like he's doing pretty well. Um, and yet, you know, Riddick gets called up and Ontario goes out and acquires Aaron Dell on a on a AHL contract. So how much playing time is Portillo getting now? And how is he looking over the year? Has he improved? Has he stayed steady? You know, what, what can we say about this kid? The good thing for me about Portillo is he's been thrust into this situation with Riddick getting called up. He was never really – and again, you look at the opening night lineup. Yeah. The opening night lineup was, well, Riddick's getting all these starts. Portillo, eh, he'll slide in when he gets a chance. Well, now I think if you ask Marco Sturm, it's Portillo is getting the starts and Arundel is eh, sliding in when he – and I think maybe the Kings obviously want Arundel to be ready if there's a situation where a goalie goes down for a short amount of time. Let's mm-hmm. say it's a day-to-day type injury. Right. You can call up Arundel. He can be your backup. I don't think the Kings really want him starting games with with the way that he's looked for the rain. Mm-hmm. He's not looked uh, particularly bad, especially for a guy who wasn't playing in the first right. half of the season. But it hasn't been for the rain side of things. Hand it off to Dell. He's the guy. No, uh, Portillo has earned the opportunity to be the starter for this team, and that's exactly where he's at right now. If there's a three game week this week, Portillo's getting two out of three. Um, that's you know, you have to spot in where do you want to give that that start to Dell. But right now, Portillo's earned the opportunity to be the guy who who carries the the load for Ontario. And that is, I mean, when you go back to the beginning of the season, I don't think anyone thought that that would be a chance that could happen. So in my opinion, he's a little bit ahead of where I think some people thought he would be at this point. That said, is he ready to start a game in the NHL? No. Uh, <laughs> if there's an injury and, and you need a guy for a spot start, you know, just – hey, we have to go with somebody of those two guys, I'd still want to go Arundel. I, I think he's had hundreds of games in the NHL. Mm-hmm. To me, that's that's a little bit more important than where Portillo is right now. Now, at the same time, like I said, he is ahead of where he, um, I thought he would be and where I think a lot of people thought he would be. So that's awesome. You know, maybe this time next year uh, or the beginning of the year after that, now you can look at, hey, this guy might be legitimately challenging for an NHL roster spot. At that, He's on that trajectory. But... Um, the opportunity to play a lot of games, he has relished that. He has been ready. He's been prepared. He's excited. He's, got, as you said, you know, speaking to him, great attitude, loves the opportunity that he's being given, and he's run with it. So really a lot of encouraging things for him. I think the level that he has been at consistently as a rookie goaltender at his age in the AHL, not many goalies are able to do what, what he's done this year. And, you know, he's been hovering around a 2.5, 2.6 goals against average. I don't think anyone would complain about, about that. He's done everything he needs to do, and he's kept the rain in, in basically every game. Now, you cover the rain, but you're also much more deeply embedded in the team around the guys than, you know, uh, at the NHL level your counterpart would be. So, Tom McClellan used to talk about the difference between guys playing with their goalie and for their goalie. Are the Ontario Reign playing with Eric Portillo or for Eric Portillo? I think a little bit of both. Um, I don't think that we are at the point where the team is so playing for him that they're just, you know, bending over backwards. I think he's still working on on that part of the mm-hmm. game. He's still working on winning some of his teammates over a little bit. Um, but that's he's a rookie. Yeah. Like I, I don't know. But I would say there have been goalies, and Matt Valalta comes to mind of like. 
the rain were playing from Avalalta. Now he didn't always have the best night. Sure. He didn't always <laughs> he didn't always come up with with the save that that they needed at that time. But I do think that he had ingrained himself so deeply in the locker room. He was just part of the group. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think yeah, you know what? In a couple of years, maybe that might be the case with with Portillo. But I don't know that we're at that level yet. Three nights coming up this weekend for Ontario. Uh, how many games left on the rain schedule, give or take? About twenty two. What's the number one thing the rain have to address in order to uh, climb out of sixth place into second or third? Uh, consistency. I mean, it's 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 an easy answer to say. Uh, obviously, so many teams can str- struggle with that, but and, and again, the t- fact that the lineup is just so ch- constantly changing doesn't help. But I mean, you look no further than last weekend, Friday night, beating Tucson yeah. eight to one. Now, again, I just brought up Mavalalta. Tucson started Matt Valalta in like 90% of their games this year. He got called up to the NHL. He wasn't available. They had nobody that was ready. And this is a perfect example, right, of why you always need, going back to what I was saying previously, you never know when somebody's going to get hurt and someone's going to get called up and you need guys that are ready. And it's that Belichick, I hate the Patriots and I hate Belichick, but it is that, you know. (laughs) Next man up. Next man up mentality. You have to have guys ready to fill in those roles. Tucson didn't have it. They lost 8-1. The rain were like, Steven Santini hadn't had a hat trick (laughs) since he was a sophomore in high school. He's never had a hat trick in his entire professional career, which has spanned 400 games. He got a hat trick. Yeah. That just gives you an example. First three goals of the year. First three goals of the year. He hadn't scored any. Then he gets a hat trick. And again, it's like not taking anything away from Steven Santini, but you get a better goalie in there. Steven Santini doesn't score a hat trick. So, but again, that's a consistent effort and a great performance and an 8 1 win. The next night, guess what? Facing the same goalie, you lose three to two. Mm-hmm. That's just that's not enough consistency. And you talk to Marco Sturm, they won. They came out. The rain came out. First forty minutes, first 30, 40 minutes, thought it'd be easy. They just beat this guy eight one. They thought it was going to be easy. It wasn't easy. They were down three nothing in the third period. And if not for two Samuel Fagimo power play goals in the last five minutes, might be a shut. They might have gotten shut out. So, uh, you know what? That's not. Good enough. Like they're in, they're a team that's in the bottom half of the standings in the Pacific Division. Things aren't going to come easy for you. You got to keep working hard. I think they have the talent to be higher in the division, but the consistency just hasn't been there. And that's part of being a young team, but it's also part of being mature, going out there and showing up for 60 minutes. I do think that sometimes in the AHL, the schedule does not help. And I do think that obviously this Tucson weekend, I'm not talking about that, but just in general, there are some weeks. We got a week coming up, Jesse. Five games in seven days. Ew. It's crazy. Uh, there's a Sunday, Monday in Calgary. Come back Tuesday. Play San Diego Wednesday. Get Thursday off. Play Friday, Saturday. <laughs> so that's five games in seven days. Yeah. That stuff's going to happen. Are you going to win all five of those games? Probably not. That's just going to be tough. You yeah. got to compete. You got to get out there and and uh, be ready to go. But sometimes the, the schedule doesn't help you. So I'm not, I'm not, I'm, you know, maybe making a little bit of an excuse for the guys in in those instances, but the consistency's got to be better if they want to be a top team. All right, two more questions, and I'll let you go because you got a game to go to tonight, all the way out in uh, Ontario. All the way out. Well, listen, from the South Bay, it's uh, it's not, not, not it's not nothing. Um, how is Marco Sturm doing in his second year as a head coach? Can you even see? I've become really uh, curious lately about the notion of what's a good coach, right? Because I think we're up, we're up to like six fired head coaches in the NHL now. And it's like all of them are are good coaches. Right. But 
they got fired in the middle of the season. Yeah. So what even is a good coach? So can you even see the growth of a head coach over 17, 16 months, whatever it's been? I think I see it a little bit. I, I think, you know, he's not as – I think the first year, and I've said this a couple of times, but I think the first year for Marco Sturm, he was like learning the AHL. I don't think he was as successful as a coach because I don't think he could project and foresee. You know, I was just talking about the schedule. Mm-hmm. You have to be ready for that as a coach. You have to be able to plan ahead. I think he was a little bit too day-to-day and just learning the league and learning what it was about. And he finally, in the second half of the season, kind of got it. But then the team lost some players, and, man, we were struggling down the stretch. So I think this year you've seen him come in a little bit more prepared, which is normal. Um, But I also think that that this year some of those older guys – I think last year there was a good good respect between him and the older guys, but now there are more of them in the room. And he's really connected with some of the older players. And some of the guys like Akil Thomas, um, you know, I think he's had some pretty regular meetings with Akil, just trying to make sure that he's on track. And I think he's a guy that Marco's taken to the next level this year. Um, just helping him to understand, and and Marco's spoken on, about this a couple times, but like, Yes, he's a top six forward for the Ontario Reign this year. Yes, he's one of the top five scorers on the team for the Ontario Reign this year. When he gets called up to the Kings, guess where he's going? Fourth line, yeah. right? Like he's not playing in the top six for sure. Probably not even in the top nine. So if he gets an opportunity in the NHL, that's a big if. But Akil Thomas is, is starting to knock on the door. He's starting to be pretty close for the Kings. He has to be ready to do all of those things that the fourth line guys do, just like Alex Turcotte has had to do when he's come into the Kings, and he's done a pretty good job of it, being ready to go, being in different positions, thrown in there, uh, especially you know with some injuries and, and guys being banged up. That's what Akil's going to have to be ready to do. So Marco's trying to project and say, Akil, yes, you want to score goals for the rain. We need you to score goals, but you need to really work on all those other things away from the puck, defense, penalty kill, you know, winning battles on the boards, grinding it out, face-offs, different things like that. Because when you get up, called up to the Kings, the way you're going to be able to stay and the way you're going to make an impact when you get there is not necessarily just scoring in the slot of the power play. You're not going to be the bumper guy on the power play. So that's something that I think has been great for Marco to not just say to Akil, I need you to do this every night. It's, okay, look, our goal is to try to get you to the NHL. How do we do that? Let's improve on these other areas and make sure you're ready when the call comes that they're confident in you and they'll be happy to have you on their team. So that perfectly leads into the final question I have, which is uh, with Grunstrom and Lazat out, it it just hammers home the point you've made a couple times, which is you never know when injuries are going to hit. You need depth. So I think it's pretty clear that Samuel Fagamo is probably top of the leaderboard for next call up. But if there's a spate of injuries, if there's uh, if the Kings do decide to make some sort of move at the trade deadline that, sacrifices some of their depth um give me three names that are candidates to get a recall outside of samuel fagamo well akil thomas for sure sure (laughs) um so i don't have to go through that one anymore because i just went through it but the other side i I think jacob moverari is Mm -hmm. clearly your top choice on defense uh because he already did it this year and he was great um so good for him and uh you know what the the dangerous thing is if he gets called up again we might not see him in Ontario for a while. So, mm-hmm. you know, good for him because he's shown that he can do it at the NHL level. And, you know, he's a free agent after this year. So he's playing himself into another contract, whether it's with the Kings or somebody else, or I'm not sure what's going to happen. But I'm sure the Kings would love to keep him if, if they can because he's that perfect yep. depth kind of defenseman that can be 
a, a dominant player. You know what? He's even playing a lot of power play time in the AHL this year, which has never been something I that Movarari's done. I think before. the first game I saw him live, he started three on three overtime. Uh, I mean, he he has been counted on to do those yeah. things, and he's figured out a way to make an impact at at that as well because he's so proficient in the other areas. Now he's been able to work on his mm-hmm. game on the offensive side. Not that I think that's necessarily going to translate a ton in the NHL when <laughs> if, when not. he gets called up, but great for him that he's that he's thrown in there. I do think that Kevin Connaughton has come on here. And if there's a left sh- left side opening, yes, Moverari's the first guy. But if there was another one, uh, Kevin Connaughton, I think would be would be my choice. Um, and then you know, forward wise, after you've got you've got Fagimo and you've got Akil Thomas, that's where it's like other guys are going to have to step up. I I'm not sure who the next guy is. Probably Tyler Madden. Okay. Um, you know, Mads has not scored as much as he has in previous seasons, but he's been consistent in the fact that he has been healthy. He has not missed a game, which for Tyler Madden, I think, you know, people may recall he was injured. Uh, He had injuries in each of his seasons before last year. Last year he played 71 out of 72, which was great to see. Uh, And this year he's played every game. So to me, that's what you're looking for. Consistency that you got to give Tyler Madden a, a hand at that. And I got one other guy, please. Taylor Ward, the warden. He has actually been playing on the top line as of late with Charles Udon and TJ Tynan, uh, or or Figimo kind of rotating around. That to me, we've seen a lot of maturity from from Taylor Ward. He has really stepped his game up. Um, again, one of those guys that if you need someone in the bottom six, his game I think would translate well, a little say, bit more. He's he, physical. Yeah. He's you know he's able to get in there, win battles. Um, not afraid to drop the gloves, not all the time, but you know he's had a couple fights here and there, and he had a five game point streak dating back to to last week because he was winning battles. A couple of those were shorthanded points. A couple of those were you know he plays penalty kill. He he does a lot of different things like that. So that's obviously projecting definitely further out. There'd have to be probably four more injuries for Taylor Ward this year to get a shot. But again, a guy who's needs a new contract at the end of this year, and a guy who's really stepped up and been consistent and, and reliable. It's funny. I, it's players like Connaughton and Ward and even Hayden Hodgson that I forget about because we, we want to focus on the Chromiacs and the Pinellis and, you know, the young kids that have high ceilings. But, uh, yeah. So, Jared, thank you very much for joining me. Appreciate all the info and uh, hope the rain pick up two points tonight. Thanks, or Jesse. last night when people are listening. Yeah, well, hopefully they have. And they yeah. got two more games this weekend. Uh, game on, on Friday against Coachella Valley, the top team in the division right now. And then Saturday in San Diego, always a good rivalry. And, you know, Jesse, it's a bummer because I looked at the King schedule. They're playing Anaheim on Saturday. And it's one of those back-to-backs. You got rain in San Diego, Kings against Anaheim. Um, it's cool that, that both teams are playing each other on the same day. Kind of a nice day for SoCal hockey. Yeah. Thanks, Jared.